That is literally what narcissists do. It's a pattern and you, it, it does not stop. That's how they keep you attached no. to them. And they're banking on that. And they're also banking on your silence and that you don't talk to other people because they couldn't control the narrative or yep. control me anymore. When they do come at you and they try to yeah. create their own narrative because they always do keep receipts. Yeah. Part of me was like, I need to take control and like make sure that this doesn't get out of fucking hand and stuff like that. Welcome to Queer Talk, the number one podcast to connect you to all of your favorite queer creators in a space where we share our stories on all things queer related. And hey, if you're new, listen to this, give us a follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We are now streaming full video episodes on YouTube, so you can watch these on your TV, phone, tablet, wherever you're tuning in. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and watch. Um, the link is in the description below. So today, guys, we have a special episode with uh, Elise, our podcast editor, and one of my good friends coming from behind the scenes on the podcast to talk. And we have a special guest. Um, she makes TikTok videos as a queer person, um, also a big Harry Potter fan, and um, she makes videos on being a narcissistic abuse survivor. And so we I have a very special episode because all three of us have dealt with in some capacity or form a narcissistic person. Now, this is not to say we are not diagnosing anybody. We are none of us are psychologists. I like to boast about my psych degree, but it doesn't mean shit. And uh, we're just here to talk about our experiences and some of the narcissistic behaviors that we have seen and some of the people that we have dated. That is it. I'm out. <laughs> Good intro. Good intro. Thank you. But uh, before all that fun stuff, what have you guys been up to? I uh, I saved one of my cat's baby teeth. So there's that. I support you. If that's what you, it's not harming anyone. If you're happy about it, if that gives you passionate, whatever you I want, I'm. I, I couldn't don't think throw most it away. parents do that with their human babies, breed. Yeah, they do. My parents kept all of our baby teeth, and they kept it in a little box, and that's when I found out the tooth fairy wasn't fucking real because I found my baby teeth. So maybe I have trauma. Is that a, is that a normal thing to do? Probably not. Probably <laughs> Just not. Just a box of your children's teeth? Hey, I'm not the only one. I had I did date a girl. voodoo. I dated a girl who also had that happen, and then she called me crazy when I kept her tooth. And I was like, bitch, your fucking parents said the same thing, and you're way crazier about your cats than me. I'm just sentimental. I'm so glad I listened to you finish that story, because the way I heard it, I swore you said that you kept your partner's tooth. I was like, hey, Brie, oh, no. this, is, no. where, Ew, this no. is where I'm going to interject. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna lie if my partner like got their tooth knocked out and got the got like a fake tooth I would do a gag with that tooth I would make them like a gag piece of jewelry be like here you go <laughs> or I like I'd wear it or something I think that'd be I think that'd be funny as hell be like oh what is that be like, oh it's my it's my girlfriend's tooth I think it would you be know? funny because it would really <laughs> the people who it would freak out you don't want to be friends with them anyways let's send them back Exactly. People who have a funny, fucked up sense of humor will be like, I like you. It's like a litmus test. It's a litmus test. I love that word. I fucking say that all the time. <laughs> Let him go. Let him go. Yeah, that's Cut what it. Cut it. We need some kind of segue. <laughs> so abuse. Anyway. Let's talk about abuse. <laughs> it's really weird yeah, yeah. to segue into something that 
you know, may not affect us now, but has affected us in, deeply in, in the past and, and probably resonates and will resonate with us for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It'd be depressing, but <laughs> a lot of processing. Um, what's really cool is I found Sierra just because I'm still on Narc Talk. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I'm on, yep. I'm on narc TikTok, narcissistic TikTok, toxic relationship TikTok. I used to watch a lot of it during the events that precipitated this conversation, but I'll still get some here and there. And I'm so glad that I came across you because when I went to your profile, some of the stuff just spoke to me so hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's a queer person. And she's talking about narcissism and, and, and toxic and possible narcissistic relationships. And I was like this person is awesome I need to get her on because Elise and I wanted to have a discussion about this for like a while we had talked about it and wanted to do it in season two because we feel like we have some really good stories and I think that this topic is something that people don't realize they're in a relationship with a narcissist or a person who exhibits a lot of narcissistic behaviors until they're out of it and it takes a Mm -hmm. long time to kind of process that stuff even if you were not in the relationship long you weren't even in a relationship you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's a fucking minefield and for yeah and it's just it's really really rough and like to see people's stories on tiktok and how bad it could be and how bad it has been is really like opened my eyes um to how bad it can get and so thank you so much for coming on I think this will be really fun. Um, listeners, if you're listening to this, this is not going to be a bash session of dyke drama. <laughs> well, there's going to be dyke <laughs> drama. But <laughs> um, we want it to be educational. This isn't something to where we are just playing victim and not, you know, not that we aren't victims, but we're not going to sit here and pretend like we are the best people ever and they're assholes and shitty. And this is just our experiences. And uh, I might just be kind of weird about talking about it because some parts of me don't feel like a victim and some parts of me feel like I shouldn't be talking about it because talking about it means that I'm bringing drama and like, and I don't have a right to talk about it or something. So maybe that's just my insecurities. I thought about that a lot, honestly, like leading up to the episode, like would this person get upset about like me talking about it? And I was like, well, I mean, it was all, it's also my experience. Like that's my life that you affected. So I feel like if you're affected by something, you have a right to talk about it. Obviously I feel like we're not going to be using names or anything very specific, but it's still, you know, these are things that we went through. They were good chunks of our lives that were affected and still, still do affect us. I think it's our right Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about it. I think it's everybody's right to be able to talk about the shit that they've been through. I think you're right. Yeah. So a lot of that fear that we're talking about, right. We're going to, I think in some aspects, we still feel it. And it's kind of, even for me, if it's in the back of my, my mind, right. I feel it a little bit, not like I used to, but the reason for why we feel that is because in those relationships, we were intermittently made to feel isolated. And that if we share our story that no one would believe us and we were made to feel crazy. So we think that we internalize that to a point where if we do share this story, right, there's always that constant fear that I'm not going to be believed or that I'm yeah. starting drama or that this is a problem or that, that just add anything that you want and insert that in there, right? That's what's functioning. This is what's happening. And that's, that's your goal. Specifically, if you're dating a narcissistic person, 
Their goal is to make you afraid. Their goal is to keep you silent because if they can keep you silent, they maintain their power over you. And that is exactly the fear that manifesting comes outward, especially when we start talking about this publicly. That makes total sense. Yeah, I and I also felt like, I don't know, for me, it was like a brief encounter. Like it, it wasn't even a committed relationship. It was a situationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really confused the lines with me because it was predominantly long distance. And it made me think like, oh my God, like I thought I had such a good judge of character, but like it kind of was, you know, long distance was new to me. It wasn't something that I had originally wanted to do, but it just, you know, things like that just kind of happened and it just kind of happened. And I went with it and I was like, you know what, this is, I'm optimistic about this, you know? And, uh, I don't know, like I completely, I think was mesmerized by someone that I only saw a tip of the iceberg and I never got Mm -hmm. to see those things. I feel like if I had had an in-person experience, like a normal dating where you see someone in person, like if she lived in the same city, it, I think it would have been much clearer to me. Um, But I think because I had this idealized version of her and, and everything leading up to us finally like meeting and then having this long distance that I hadn't dealt with before also during a pandemic I mean it was just like a shitstorm mm-hmm. of the perfect time to be enveloped in something like engulfed in something like that and I think for me I was always had an avoidant attachment and for the first time in my life I was clingy and I was insecure and I was really in an anxious attachment, not to say that everyone is, is clingy or insecure in an anxious attachment. But for me, it was a complete 180 from, from the typical thing that I knew. I went from like one end to the other end. And it was incredibly confusing for me because I was like, well, obviously this has to be me. Like what the fuck? You know, I just was like, so just like completely blindsided by it because I thought, oh, it's because it's long distance. And it's because you know, oh, we meet for the first time and there's a lot of pressure. Like there were so many like rationalizations that I made for like the red flags that I saw. And I was confusing it because I hadn't been in that situation before. And, you know, I was in a pandemic. I was in, I, I felt a little isolated just because of the circumstances and wildly optimistic because I had not had anyone break my heart, any woman break my heart or anyone that I cared about break my heart. And I was like on cloud nine, I'm dating, I'm doing this and oh my God, and women are so awesome. And uh, yeah, it was rough. (laughs) And the thing about that, you know, when you're talking about being blindsided, I don't know if it's the same, at least for you, if you want to chime in on this. Most of us have not dated a narcissist before we met them, right? So we go into these situations and just like what Brie was saying, and you just get swept up in it. You're like, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. They're saying all these things. They're promising all these things that I want yes. and I crave and I need it. And I think you add on layer that, you know, however you identify within the queer identity or the queer community, right? Is that in society, it's so heteronormative and so geared towards the straight narrative that we sometimes feel like for a long time we couldn't be ourselves and we couldn't date and we couldn't have this kind of idealized love that we were fed our whole life, right? Yeah. So you add in that layer of what's happening within queer relationships and it's just it's just this like vulnerable pot 
of experiences that you're just thrown into that you have no clue what's happening. They make you feel crazy, right? You start, and just like what you said, how you switched from more of an avoidant attachment to what was anxious. Even in that, what starts to happen is that they'll call you, they'll give you labels, right? You're clingy, you're needy. When in fact, in reality, in a healthy relationship, that isn't you being clingy or you being needy. It's simply that your needs aren't being met. And with a normal person who isn't toxic, they understand that and meet you where you're at. Whereas when you're in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, right, they're not doing that. They're going to exacerbate those feelings and then make you feel crazy for feeling the way that you feel. Yep. I know the narcissist I was dating, it was a long, I was with them for a really long time, like years. And we had broken up, but at that point lived together. So she, she would like go be with somebody else until like 3 a.m. And then like come back, crawl into my bed with me and like sleep with me there that night and then like be upset that I was like, can you like, like, I, this is, I don't like this, you know, you're going and like sleeping with somebody else and then like crawling into bed with me and like cuddling and like wanting me to, and like acting like we're still dating and I don't like this. And it was so like, why are you acting like this? Why are you getting so upset about this? Like maybe because you just went and fucked somebody else and like now you're trying to cuddle me, you know? And it's, it's just the fact that, like they make you feel so nuts. Like I, I, I've never felt that way before or since. And like, girl, I've had my own mental health problems. <laughs> I've felt crazy before. Not that level of crazy though. Like yeah. you question yourself so much and you just think that, you know, maybe I am the problem. Maybe it is me for so mm-hmm. long and it, it just damages your psyche so much. Yeah. That's when you start questioning. I don't know if it's the same for you, but like with my narcissist, I started to question whether I was the narcissist, if this was me having the problem, if everything's my fault, right? They really put you in a situation and and they're calculating about it. The word that I talk about with my friends specifically is insidious. It's insidious. Yes. They they know what they're doing. It's covert and it builds over time to the point where they make you feel that you're crazy. So like Elise is bringing up a situation, right, where they're going and sleeping around. You're defined as dating, which was my circumstance at that time. And all the while, they're still holding on to several old supplies that Mm -hmm. they're they're hiding me from them, right? While then again, recruiting a new supply while hiding the new supply from me, right? So it's just a cyclical, yeah, yeah, it's a cyclical pattern, right? And and whether you're, you we're not aware of it, right? They, they, they'll tell us one thing about the old supply, oh, the yeah. old ex or whatever kind of situation that was. And we believe it because they've like bought into our loyalty because yeah. they're such a charming, kind, loving human being. And they yep. bombed us with that for two to three weeks that they couldn't yep. possibly be a manipulative monster. right and so we start to believe this narrative and we go with it while they're telling their old supplies something about you to turn them against you right and then there's they're getting this new supply to believe something about you while feeding you lies about the new one it's just this this web of absolute lies manipulation and control just to keep feeding this and making you feel crazy so you keep having this interaction with them that's how they get their supply they keep getting it that way it's crazy. Like as someone who's like, I'm a pretty like secure person in terms of like, I don't have that many insecurities when it comes to like my body image and like those kind of things. Like I obviously have insecurities, but like it just made, it just like 
I was, I don't know who I was. Like I, I was someone that I don't recognize. Um, and it wasn't that like my, my situation was brief, but it, it was just so crazy when I, I figured it out a month after we stopped talking. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it. Like there were a couple red flags and, and I kind of just brushed it off because being with her was an escape. And so I thought it was going to be like a love affair. Well, she used the term love affair. I thought it was a situationship because I truly thought that there was a chance for us to make something work, make something happen. Mm -hmm. And she didn't say that we couldn't make it happen. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't like, this is just it, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, like maybe like, okay, like just very vague about it and Mm -hmm. also extremely emotionally unavailable, which I took it as, oh my God, like it's because I was just like this chaser, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure her out. I'm going to, it's going to take some time. You know, she's had some stuff like, you know, but like, we're going to get to a point where like, I can get below the threshold and like, we can finally intimately connect, which is one of the reasons I like held on until the second time we like mm-hmm. finally met up. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I forget. It's oh, easy. I'm sorry. When you start talking about <sighs> shit like this, like it is easy to just spiral yeah. and you're like, I don't even remember where this started. It, it's hard. Like, like when I talk about this story, like it seems so hard because like it, I, I had to retrace the steps because I didn't figure it out until a month after. And then a month after is when shit hit the fan for me. But I also mm-hmm. could not say anything back because the statute of limitations was up. The timing was off. You know, we had already ended things on good terms. It's been a month because I decided month of no contact was probably the best in just general. Um, and then I found out what the fuck happened and I went ape shit like in my head mm-hmm. and they were there. I, like you guys were there for when I started going ape shit and I cried for weeks and I cried more than I cried when we ended things. When we ended things, it was like a week and I was like back to normal because I was like, we're not compatible. I understand that I'm sad, but we're going to get over it. But when I realized the true depth that she did not give a rat's ass about me, duped me, played me and all of Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I went fucking nuts. Like I was down bad at boys nights. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. I was just uncontrollably sobbing every day. And I've never been like that. Not even after really hard breakups, things like that. I've never been so rocked in my life. I like literally like fell to the floor, that kind of shit. Like, and I, I, that sounds dramatic because, and in my head Mm -hmm. when I was happening, I was like, this is dramatic, but I could not contain it. Like I could not help myself because I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that I let this happen to myself. Like, what the fuck? And then I had traumas coming out of nowhere, hitting me like fucking, oh, yeah. Remember when you got bullied by an entire organization on the basketball team? Abandonment. <laughs> and it was just nuts, like absolutely nuts. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting played by this fucking girl. And now I'm thinking about this basketball team in the bathroom on the floor. The fuck? Yep. And then everything smiles and it always comes back to after relationships like that, that it's my fault. I could have done this. I should have done this. There's something wrong with me. Like, why can't I be like other people who just get over things and that it's just like, 
everything you're saying when you talk about like I was bullied on the basketball team I was like yeah it could have been like 30 years ago right but then at that point you're just like no everything everything comes back at you yeah the thing you're talking about when you're talking about it doesn't matter like I want to acknowledge this it doesn't matter how short long that relationship was the things that they do is so traumatic and what you that's actually pretty fast to figure the bulk of it out in a month right I'm what is it April will be like the end of I had a very long discard phase and stuff blew up in April 2019 I realized stuff even a month ago stuff comes back to me and I finally understand what this person has done right like Mm -hmm. for example if you get to a phase where you're no contact and you decide to make that decision and they can no longer control you. What I've noticed is that if they can't personally control you again, they'll go control the narrative with other people, which when they start getting other people to do their bidding, including fighting, they're they're called flying monkeys, right? Who do their bidding. It doesn't just have to be flying monkeys, right? That are doing their bidding. It could be mutuals that you have that are still in contact. And I didn't understand that because I felt bad for not feeling comfortable with mutual friends. Right. But that's, that's like, I could go down a rabbit hole with that, but that's kind of the same thing. Um, but essentially what, what they do when they can't control you is that they'll involve authority figures, right? They are so manipulative and, and sick. I, I don't have any other way to say it, right? Because it's pathological at that point yeah. that they will go and involve authority or people that have other controls of your life, just to hoover you and suck you back in, right? Like yeah. I didn't realize this from months and months later and like three what you were talking about I actually like was in my kitchen cooking dinner and it overwhelmed me so much to realize this that I fell to the floor and could not get up and was crying for hours right I realized that my narcissist when I had I had a reactive abuse reaction right nothing ever violent but just emotionally and I don't do that right I didn't it was the first time I'd never contacted them in a day two days Monday morning I got a call from my bosses because we were in grad school together and we worked together. Another story on not, not dating your coworkers. Um, so my boss called me and asked me what had happened that weekend. So now, now people that I'd known for a long time were being dragged into a situation and I was, I was accused essentially of stalking harassment and being capable of harm. I'm vegan. I put, I put bugs outside. Like there's no way I'm going to do that. <laughs> You're not the gay that squishes the bugs and that's okay. We don't have know, to ask not- that question this episode we already know <laughs> I know right like the vegan lesbian who is who does that in our community I have no idea um but but yeah that's that's what happened and they dragged them into that and involved this investigation right because simply because I put a hard boundary down wow. right they will make these outlandish okay. claims yep. to suck you back in if you're done and it's it's when I realized that and that's abuse right? That's full on abuse to do that to someone. Yeah. I realized that it all it hit in that moment. It's yeah. like, this is why people who are in abusive situations can't leave. Why it's so hard to leave because we believe so much. We're still holding on to this idea that this person is the person we met or who we thought they were yeah. when they just don't exist entirely. Right. And so there's so many things I talked about, right? You know what you're talking about, Brie, when you said you could start spiraling? Yeah. That's what happens. You're going to start spiraling to all these other things. There's grief. Like you're grieving the person mm-hmm. that you met. Like you're like, oh, where did that person go? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and it must be because of me. Why, why would they change? You know, like for me, 
I feel like I am a smart person. Like I am an intelligent person. I can, I, I, I can empathize with people. I can put myself in other people's shoes and be like, you know what, what they did was shitty, but I understand mm-hmm. why it doesn't make it okay, but I understand why. And for the life of me, I could not put the pieces together to what happened to me. I tried everything. I tried everything. I was on narc talk for forever. Um, and it literally, like my mom, I was talking to my mom about it. I love my mom. She's not a very emotionally supportive person. And I was <laughs> telling her and she goes, she just like looks at me and she's like, and it was one of the biggest things that had ever helped me. It was just crazy. I love my mom, but you know, and she was like, she doesn't think like you. She doesn't think like we do. That's the reason why you can't understand her is because you don't think the way she thinks. And I was like, I was like, you're right. I don't think the way she thinks. That's why I can't figure out why the fuck went wrong. Like I would, I would just stay up for hours. I mean, I would, it can, it was all consuming Mm -hmm. because I needed to find out why, 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 Mm -hmm. what? And until I realized like how a narcissist thinks and that's when it, it triggered for me that she was a narcissist or exhibited a lot of narcissistic behaviors was because Mm -hmm. I didn't start understanding her behavior until I started understanding the mind of a narcissist. And then it all made sense. So for me, I was like, it would have made sense if she wasn't a narcissist. I wouldn't have had this much, this many issues trying to find out why, you know, cause I'm a smart person. So I was like, it has to be like, this is the only reason. And it was so clear to me when I started thinking like how a narcissist would think, I was like, of course, of course she did Mm -hmm. all of those things. Oh my God. And it was like a light bulb, but it took me fucking forever to figure it out. And then it took me another fucking eternity to process each individual thing that happened that confused me and made me question my reality and it made me into a person that I, and I wasn't. And I don't want to say that like, I didn't make mistakes or like do things wrong or whatever. And like, we definitely weren't compatible. Even if she wasn't a narcissist, we just wouldn't have been compatible. Like it just wouldn't have happened, which is what I originally thought. You know what I mean? Cause it was true in the, in the other sense. But like the fact that I felt, and this is where I got confused at first. Cause I was like, maybe she's not, maybe it was just because it's a love affair and love affairs are infatuation where, you know, you escape your reality into someone else. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what's going on around me because this person's here. And that's how it felt too. I think, you know, at least I thought it was, you know, a mutual thing, but then it got to a point where I was like, oh, this could be turning into something. And it, it would just ended up being a situationship. So I thought this is what a love affair feels like. Cause I hadn't, well, I had maybe like one brief one, but like, this is, this is what it must feel like. It was the little things for me. Like there were just little cracks in the facade and in the mask that when I finally had that break, there was that break and I broke. I, all of those little moments just kind of reappeared in my mind and as intrusive thoughts for like the next like month. Everything you're saying right now is resonating because I think a lot of us get to this in different stages, right? Um, that's, that's why I'm going to reiterate. It doesn't matter how long that relationship was or what type of relationship was or what the circumstances were around that being in a narcissistic relationship of any kind, heaven forbid those bless them for growing up with parents who are that way. Right. Because that's its own set of issues. Um, but 
we get so caught up, you know, especially for someone that likes to think or is very rational, we get so caught up, right? Yeah, psych major, neuro major. This is yeah. essentially what we do. We spend our life thinking, right? Um, we get stuck, right, in the mud of trying to rationalize irrational behavior. Yeah. Like you, you can't. There's, yeah. there's no way that you can't. But the thing is, because we've never experienced it, we're using coping skills that we had before right? Where we're trying to rationalize because rationalizing worked in the past. But like you said, you're dealing with someone who does not think, feel, or experience life the way that you do on a normal plane at all, right? They're very much on that right side of that scale leaning towards narcissism, right? And again, we're not going to diagnose, but we know what we've dealt with now. And the whole part where you're saying you're sitting there and you have a breakthrough moment, which is again, why it's so important to talk to other people and to read resources because that moment that you're talking about, it happens for everyone, different timelines, but it always happens where you're sitting there and you're just like, holy crap, this is what I went through. This is what this person did. And then you start to, like you just said, you start to break it down into smaller parts and you're just, you're floored and you can't believe it. And again, I think the challenge at that point is getting to an understanding. If people have access access to therapy, I don't, there's no way I would have been able to get through this without therapy, right? But if you have access to it, you can start getting to a point where it's like, of course, we're accountable for actions, right? If you if you have a reactive abuse kind of reaction, right, and, and that is specifically you're reacting to being abused, right? The, the narcissist will poke and prod you, push you to the point where you completely lose your sense of character and you act at it. You're just not yourself anymore, right? Yeah. And you have a moment like that. We're dealing with the coping skills we have in that moment. Right. And I'm going to keep saying it's because we've never dealt with it before. We've never experienced it before. And so we're going to have that reaction. We can be accountable for that reaction. We can sit there and process that and be like, okay, that's not what I should have done in the moment. I didn't know. I know now it's okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in a situation in the future where anyone puts me in that situation again. Right. So that's what you were talking about and personal accountability. Cool. We can have that, but it will never ever make what the narcissist did okay it will never be okay to abuse someone to the point where they just lose it yeah ever i have to say i didn't learn what reactive abuse was until like max six months ago and this relationship ended over four years ago and the Mm -hmm. the peace that i felt like, it, I, I didn't think about it. I don't think about it on a daily basis anymore. I hardly ever do. But, like, I saw this TikTok, and it was talking about reactive abuse. And it was the first time I had heard of it. And it just put me at so much ease to be like, mm-hmm. what I was doing is not, like, an insane thing. Like, me getting that upset and being, like, and screaming and yelling. And, I like, I don't do that. Like, I don't, I'm yeah. not a, I'm a very chill person, you know? Yeah. And the fact that I was just like, I was constantly flipping out and I was screaming and crying all the time, constantly. And like being called abusive by someone who is treating me like I am absolutely disposable. Yep. And this mm-hmm. learning that like, you know, that's a common thing. That's a common reaction. You know, you can take accountability for how you reacted, but it was something, you know, you weren't, I was in a new situation. I had never experienced something like that before and I'm not saying how I reacted was the best because it absolutely wasn't you know but just to learn that like hey this is a known thing 
you're not alone and it's not really your fault. You know, I just felt so much peace. And I was like, I can finally like put this away until I came to like a new realization last week, but that's, that's a different thing. It's all all good, buddy. (laughs) I wonder if um, for both of you, learning the terms about what happened to you, at least I think it's very empowering. And I always, you know, you get there in different stages when you start to learn the terms, right? Mm -hmm. They help significantly. But I wonder um, what Elise was talking about actually, you know, reminded me of, again, we've never been in this situation, but when you react, right, you get to that point because as a healthy person, even if you have anxious or avoidant attachment, if you're trying to constantly establish boundaries over a course of time with a narcissist Mm -hmm. or someone like that, and they consistently deflect, like don't address them at all or keep coming back to the same kind of problems or breaking yeah. those boundaries with you every time you try to set them, yeah. you get to that point where you're yeah. just like, this is insane and you absolutely lose it. So yeah. I was just wondering if for the both of you, if, you know, cause you try to set those boundaries if, you, if yeah. you're on that kind of scale and you try to, but this, no matter what you do, they don't care. And they put you in that situation regardless of what you do. Yeah. I would, I would say, I honestly don't think I was the best victim. I feel like she could have done a lot better in choosing her victim because <laughs> I just don't think that, like, I think it, and I'm not saying this in, like, a bad way. I just feel like I'm not the best victim because, like, I have a supportive family and, like, in certain things. And that's, I think that's why I probably got, I didn't get swooped into, it could have been really worse. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse in different phases of my life when those things weren't as stable and I wasn't as stable. So I, I fear because I think of, oh my God, like if I was in this phase, I can't believe what would have happened to me. Cause like, I remember certain instances where she would try to isolate Um, like when I would be talking about, cause I had, I was having family issues at the time. And what's funny is like, she had talked about an ex that literally like moved and like family was like a big issue because she was like consumed by the opinions of her family over and chose her family over her girlfriend, quote unquote, is what, um, my narcissist said. And of course, you know, when she would talk about her ex, because I had had a conversation with her and I know she cataloged it because I was like, you know, when people bash their exes, it's like a turnoff to me. It tells me there's something going on there. Like you're the toxic Mm -hmm. one or you're not over it. Either way, I don't want to be a part of it. And I remember like, and I know that she cataloged it because she made her, her victimizing of her previous exes very covert she switched, she did not like bash them, but she made it out to be that she was the victim in the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, her ex, her ex was super extroverted and would always, you know, grab her leg when she was trying to speak, like if so to control her, Um, but never to say control. She never used those words because she knew that I would pick up on it. She was fucking smart. So she would say things to put herself in a victim situation and for me to make it believe it was my idea that of my opinion of that person, which obviously I thought she seems really controlling. She didn't let you shine all this shit. You know what I mean? And, and I really did. I, I fell for it. I really did. I empathized with her. I was like, you know, that must be really hard, blah, blah, blah. 
And it was really interesting in the timing of it all. Like it, mm -hmm. she would only do those things when I was at my lowest. Like there was a couple of times where we got into some things and I broke down and that's when she would become vulnerable. You know what I mean? But it was never vulnerable. It was just her like victimizing herself. And I thought that that was her opening up to me and that we were building intimacy. You know what I mean? But like she would only do it once I had bro been broken down and I was in a place of not in a good place. And like it, it did, it made me think of this, this ex in like this certain way. And looking back, I, at the conversations, you know, she had isolated that, that person um, completely. Like that person moved for her that, you know, she was trying to battle, uh, the family didn't like her. That was a red flag. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it, family, family can be toxic and family can, and it can totally mm -hmm. be the opposite way around. But with all of this, it, it should have been very clear to me that she was trying to get her from her family and isolate her. And it was also weird because she wasn't over, I don't think she was over the ex. And this is something I didn't realize until like a month ago. And this had been long over. Um, and like, mm -hmm. because she had talked about her ex in a matter that I talked about her. She really matched the way that I talked about it, which is really interesting. But there were a few things that were off to me. And one was when she said that they had ended things, things were way over before they ended things, she said. And then the ex got into a relationship after four months, which if it had ended a while back and you were still in it, I don't think that four months is that, that much. Like, I don't think it's too quick. I mean, maybe for me, but like for someone who had been six months over, that's like 10 months. Um, but she was very annoyed, very annoyed that this person had moved on and she was working on herself. And that's, I think, is really funny considering she was always talking to someone the entire time. But you're, you're working on yourself, so you're better than her. So she made it like she was superior to this person. And then, you know, she ended it by saying, well, I stole one of her friends. One of her friends is now my best friend and we're better friends than her. That's such a thing, though. Taking your friends. I met that friend, first of all. I met that fucking friend, which is another whole thing. But, uh, yeah. And, like, it's just, like, why would you be, like, oh, you broke up with me, but I took one of your friends. So, fuck you. You know what I mean? I should have known by that. She had, she had taken one of her friends, which I'm sure she did some sort of controlling narrative, triangulate, some, some shit. Some shit, um, and I don't know what it was, but... But what was the interesting part is the last time we, we only hung out twice and I went up to see her and she was on her phone, social media, and she was looking at this ex's Instagram and she was annoyed. She was annoyed and, and she was not like happy that her ex had moved on. I'm like happy, you know, I would want my ex to move on, blah, 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 or not care. And she was like still annoyed. As I was there visiting her, she was looking at her ex's fucking profile. It goes back to that. Like they think they are the most important person and somebody else being happy without them to them is a direct insult. Yeah. They think they're really, really great. How can they be happy without me? How yep. can they belittle me like that? When like this person's just trying to trying to live their life. I know that yeah. made my ex so upset and she talked to me about it a couple times because after it was over, like, 
I took all my friends. I made new friends and I had a great ass time hanging out with these new friends and they're still amazing friends to this day. And she would get so upset. Like, how are you having such a good time? Why? Like, you always look like you're having fun. I'm like, bitch, I am. Like, I'm finally out of this and with people that like care about me. I am having a great time. It's not to yeah. insult you. It's to better my own life. But they don't see it like that. It's a direct insult because they're so great. How can you be happy without them? And I used to be really angry about, you know, collectively, I, I wonder if a lot of us feel the same way. We're, you're angry when you figure out this is how someone treated you and that you were put through this. But yeah. I've gotten to a point where after going through something as horrifying as that and coming out the other end, when you can pick yourself up off your floor, finally, yeah, right? And you have that fog removed of who that person is and you see exactly who they are yep. in the future now. You see these red flags, you see them from a distance oh, and you yeah. can name them, you can recognize them and you can run the other direction, yeah. right? And so the thing about that is like, I always tell people when we're having conversations about this is like, take it slow. If you are having a conversation with someone and they're telling you things about an ex and they're telling you things about their relationships with their families and there's nothing positive coming from that. Yeah. And they're telling you stories about what has happened in the past. They're telling you about themselves. They're literally telling you exactly who they are and what yeah. they have done in the past and projecting it onto another person so they can trauma bond you and build your loyalty. So when they do the same thing to you, you doubt yourself and there's this cognitive dissonance that's created. Now you can't leave because you see the loyalty and you feel this like, yeah. you feel that for them. But then there's this other side that you can't, you can't rationalize, but because you've been bombarded so quickly with love and feeling and validation, you don't see these red flags. So we can be very intelligent, smart, caring people and completely miss these red flags because we've hopped into something so fast, so quick. We've missed every red flag because again, we didn't take it slow, right? Yep. So there's so many things that if we just, slow it down you'll know how they treat you for their friends you'll know that they really don't have long-term relationships with people and if they do those are also in turmoil right you start to figure that out they start to tell you about their exes you start to figure out this is probably something you have done to them actually in the past and you're just throwing it on to me right you figure that out you start to understand no healthy person or relationship tells you you're the one or that you're my soulmate or something insert something along the lines yeah. of that in the first two weeks to a month you're you're a, you're a stranger yeah. like you should not be saying these things to me especially there's so, it's such high risk there's so many things at stake and you should not be promising a future a world to someone in the first month when there's so much that comes with it yeah and I think when you understand that at the end of being in a relationship with a narcissist you're just like you come at me with that stuff, yeah. I'm gone. I yeah. will run for the hills. We're done. Yeah. I'm like so avoidant now. Like if I decide I'm going to be with somebody, that somebody is somebody special. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you extend feelings to me, nine times out of 10, I am going to bolt the other way if you do that <laughs> too fast. Like I'm going to skirt on out of there. You know, you got to be something for me to be like, yeah. I'm, I like this vibe. I like that we can share feelings because if you're doing that too fast, that shit scares me. But that's also smart. That's what, that's what we, sh 
that's what we should be doing. And like, I don't, I don't know if we're going to touch on this at all, but that's sometimes I know we have this stereotype in the queer and lesbian community that we U-Haul. And it's funny. It, it is funny. Right. But when you think about it, I feel like the people that rush into things so fast and miss these red flags, or if the red flags don't exist and they have a happy relationship after two weeks and it's been seven, eight months later, they're the exception to the rule. At least that's my experience and what I've noticed within our community and in my own relationships, right? It took me dating a narcissist. And then after that, not, which is why I don't recommend dating anyone after you date a narcissist, because that's its own layer of problems, right? But, you know, you go into another relationship, right? And you're still vulnerable and, and they're not a narcissist, but it's still toxic. And you're still ignoring those kind of red flags that are pinging at you, right? And so within our community, sometimes it kind of feels like, well, if I don't want to do this and I don't want to hop into this relationship and I don't want to fit the stereotype of this narrative out there because I don't think it's healthy, then it goes into the other questions about like sense of belonging, right? These are so many like layered nuances pieces that I'm bringing up, but yeah, specifically when we talk about just the speed at which things move, it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it really not, it's not healthy. It's, it's not because you're jumping into something with somebody that you, you don't know. I'm not going to name any names because there are just too many to name. But like the amount of lesbians that I have seen like a week into dating, social media is flooded with I love yous and all of this stuff. I'm like that, it's not healthy and we no. should not normalize giving all of yourself to someone that you don't know yet. Yeah. Especially, obviously they're not always related but like especially with a narcissist like in the beginning yeah everyone's charming everyone everyone's Mm -hmm. gonna be like yeah I want to give you the world like give that a couple a couple weeks a couple months like that's it's gonna fade away if Mm -hmm. you know this person isn't that great you know but everybody's great at the beginning because in our community especially like we jump into things we commit to something before we know anything about this person yep Mm-hmm. Yep. No, a hundred percent. That, that, that part is the one thing where I'm just like, you know what? And this, and like, like Elise said, it's, it's, you don't even have to be a narcissist. You can just, it can just be a toxic relationship and you just yeah. basic incompatibilities, right? Like you hop into something so fast, which is frequent in our community. Right. And then it's a couple months later and you, you're blindsided by this person, by who they actually are. And, yeah. and you're just sitting back and you're thinking about, you know, had you given this some time, it, it's seriously that 90 to 120 days. If you can get past that person and that person's still that person for the most part, right? Yeah. Then cool, let's go for it. But the thing we find ourselves in is that it becomes a traumatizing, and this is regardless of whether it's a narcissist or not, right? Because this can happen. With the narcissist, it's just an ad level of trauma that we get to unpack later, right? But if you hop into it and six months later, you're just sitting there, still drained, still feeling some pain, feeling damaged because this person isn't who you built them up to be in your head because of those initial couple months, you're still sitting there devastated, right? And it's still a traumatic experience for you. And it's probably been toxic for both of you because you hopped into it. And for all you know, they could have realized that you're really not compatible. And you spent this entire time in this idealized phase thinking one thing and then all the while probably miscommunicating not fixing those miscommunications, not understanding where they're coming from, and then double not understanding it because you think that this person is someone that they're not. Yeah, giving me goosebumps, man. I have fucking goosebumps. I think a good 
piece of advice I try to give other people, but not in like a pushy way is like, I think we hurt ourselves mentally. Not that we hurt ourselves, but like when you jump into a relationship with somebody and like you immediately put on a label and you're like, yeah, I'm dating this person. You putting yourself in a box with somebody and being like, this is my partner, this is my girlfriend, my boyfriend, whatever it is, like, this is it. I think it makes it that much harder to like get out of it if it's not for you anymore. Yeah. You know, like if you're not necessarily as happy as you thought you were going to be, now we have this label. It's just that much harder to get out because, you know, now it's a defined thing now. This is, this is our relationship. Whereas if you take the time to just get to know someone, like genuinely get to know them, take your time. If you decide it's not for you, it's so much easier to drop it and to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're absolutely right. And like, like I never made a commitment, but I had wanted to like entertain the thought of it. Like I was really optimistic about like this person and she kind of kept it very vague and kind of kept me on the hook and kind of kept me there because she liked whatever she, I was bringing to the table. And to be quite honest, like when I had really dived into um, covert narcissism, which is what I think had happened to me. I think she was a covert narcissist for sure, because just the way that she, she never, because she knew, I feel like she knew that I wouldn't put up with certain shit. Like I never was name called. I was never like really love bombed. Like they never said, I love you. They never said like, I want to be your girlfriend. Like they never said like the typical things I've seen and that I've read um, because they knew that I would be like, no, what the fuck? So, but I got the validation, like, and I know that she was calculated because like I said, there were these little facade things that would come up, you know, when I was, you know, pretending, well, I thought I was mysterious. I was like, just trying to be playful. And she goes, oh no, I know exactly who you are. Like dead, just like little things like oh. that. Like where I was being like funny, you know? And like, ha, 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 like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm a psych major. I feel like I can read people, like, decently well. But, like, the fact that she was, like, so confident as that she knew me, you know what I mean? Like, after a month, of, just after actually a few days of seeing each other in person and, like, a month of, like, talking, you know, and I was being just jovial and playful, you know what I mean? And she was like, no, I know exactly who you are. I can, I read you. Like, she basically insinuated that she could read me, like, a book like that. And that it, sounds it, like a horror movie. Like when you uh, when you find out who the actual demon is. Yeah. <laughs> and and it stuns you a little bit. It was like a tiny stun because the my first thought was, shit, am I easy to read? Am I easy to read? And no one told me that I'm easy to read. And now I'm just finding out that I'm easy to read. It was like a tiny stun to me. And it yeah. made me question if I knew myself as introspectively as I thought I did. And it was mm -hmm. things like that. So she never name called. She never did that because she knew that I wasn't going to put up with that bullshit. But she did little things like, you know, the victim blaming, obviously, for last relationship to like make me be like, oh, my God, I'll never do that. I would never do that to you. You know what I mean? Because I was in a position where I came out of a relationship with the person that was really insecure about her body and other things. And like she apparently was very confident right? Very confident. I was like, that's amazing. I love how confident you are. Like, I love that about you, blah, blah, blah. Cause it was different than the last person. And I was in a phase of my life where I was, 
you know, wanting to get out and see people and, 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 you know, like have experiences and stuff like that. I was very optimistic. And I was really excited that this person was the exact opposite of the person that I had before. Well, of fucking course she was the exact opposite. You know what I mean? She did it specifically match that personality, like to a goddamn yep. T, you know, like mm -hmm. we, we had nothing in common. We legitimately had nothing in common. Like our breakup, I was like, we have nothing in common. And she just kind of looked at me, but I thought we had lots in common at the beginning because it just seemed like she was what I wanted. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like a goddamn mirror. And I didn't see it at that time because I was getting, and, and what's funny is like, there was a point that she made a video and it made me really mad because it started that like questioning of was she being truthful and stuff like that. And I posted a love bomb post that I saw from like millennial therapist or something. And, and I posted it and I posted a reactive video, which is, was toxic and it wasn't, and I actually deleted it, apologized and deleted it because it was a one video that I posted out of spite, but the post ended up being true in hindsight that I didn't realize months later. Like I subconsciously knew it and then convinced myself that, that it was wrong of me to post because she was so like mad about it or whatever. But like how covert, it was very covert how it all happened and like super, it was just, oh, it was so toxic. And it was like the little things and the miscommunications, which is funny. Women communicate so much. And we, I thought communicated all the time, every time, all the time. And I was so excited about all the communication we were having. But guess what? It's, it was jack shit because we weren't, because she was lying. And like, mm -hmm. she was not being truthful. And it was just talk. It wasn't actual talking. And I was blindsided by that because I thought we had such good communication. You know, it was like on every front, I was like complete, I felt completely duped. Like every single thing yeah. that I would rationalize. We were such good communicators. How could this happen? Must have been me. Mm -hmm. That brings mm -hmm. up a question for me. Uh, Sierra, I know me and Bree are on the same page on this. Was your narcissist like into acting and like theater by chance? I, I, I swear they have similar just stories and playbooks and da -da 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 -da. like honestly that's why I started smiling um just as like a disclaimer when I start to get annoyed and I start thinking about past experiences my go-to reaction is to smile so it's kind of like strange <laughs> and I start laughing because that's how I process my annoyed anger like I've just that's how I've always been unless it goes to tears which it won't but just to let you know like if I'm smiling during this listening to your stories I'm like that mother that fucking that in my head I'm just like these motherfucking like shitheads I'm a fucking you know what I'm saying that's what's happening in my head so that's the smile is coming out instead of the language um but yeah my narcissist is actually a poet was a creator is she's not dead is a um creative writer goes to school for it now too right is in that field specifically does that um so she's very clever with words very good at it would consistently use poetry as a witch like they're really good poems I, i'm not just like yeah. in some kind of daze right like very gifted yeah i know they don't have the emotional capacity to act normal with people but they have emotional intelligence to the point that they can mirror you play you gaslight you and then make you believe that it's your fault yeah. for having a problem with their problems yeah right yeah. But yes, so yeah, she's she's in she's in the creative field. Um, she used that as a way to continue to Hoover 
right? I just feel like at this point, they all are in the same kind of thing. Just there's a script. There is a script that goes around and they're like, hey, pass this on, read this one. Oh, you try this one. Okay, let's do this scene. Like what? And just just as a disclaimer to the listeners, in no way are we trying to say that anyone in it, like all people in a creative field are narcissists. (laughs) Just wanted to put that out there. But like, it definitely is something that I think they're drawn to because it gets them attention. Like it gets them attention from people. Yeah, like my narcissist was big into attention and glamour. And I thought it was confidence. And it was honestly, I played into it because that's what I was looking for. It was the opposite of what I had come from. And I was looking for someone who was confident and, you know, and all of that stuff. And I, and I remember just like putting her on a pedestal because I thought that she was all of these things. And it turns out like she wasn't. And then this is the thing, like what I have a hard time with and what really hurt me was like, I think that she thought that I was someone of high status And I think this is what a lot of narcissists do because they are incredibly insecure and shallow. And not that I think I am like high status or whatever. Like, I don't think of myself like that, but I feel like she thought that I was. And I feel like people like that go for people who are authentic Mm -hmm. and who have like very, like pretty decent lives. You know what I mean? And they, they come in to fuck them up. And like, I think that like, they think of you as a high status item, something that they want. Mm -hmm. They want that authenticity. They want whatever you have and they're going to bring you down to get it. And that's how I feel what happened. And then that, and then I was also the discard. I was discarded. And, and the process of, of feeling like you're the best thing that ever happened and anything you do is amazing. That's how I felt. Anything I did was amazing. You know what I mean? I was amazing and I was hot and I could wear a cutoff and still look hot and it's not even that big of a deal but like the way that she put it made me feel amazing and she also knew Mm -hmm. that my love language was words of affirmation and she also knew I didn't get that in childhood and I didn't get that shit and she knew all of these things about me and you know you 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 tell these people these things out of vulnerability to build a foundation and to have your needs met you know and not to have it turned against you and that's how I felt that happened like she made me feel like I was a million fucking bucks and I had some issues in the summer and she had isolated me and never like talked down about my family but just made it seem like you know it was just she she pushed me away in in a certain way and she made it seem like her parents were better because her parents come from religion her parents her dad's a fucking cardinal or some shit. They have an incredible ability to make you feel so great and lesser than at the same time. Yeah. Like a narcissist will all, they'll reach for somebody that they believe will make them look better. They have something that'll make me look better. They're always going to reach. They're never going to go for somebody that has nothing to offer them ever Yeah. because it's not going to make them look good. But at the same time, like, they think you're great because you make them look better and then they cut you down at the same time. Yep. Like they're going to imply that their family is better than yours. I know mine did. They're going to imply that they have more talent than you. And like, it's so strange. I don't, I honestly don't know how it works that they make you feel so good and so awful at the same time. Yeah. And it's crazy because I didn't see it coming because I never saw the typical signs when you hear of people cutting you down, like, you'll never find anyone better than me, like, all of that stuff. That never happened to me. 
but like the way that she made me feel like, and you brought up poetry, Sierra, like that your, mm-hmm. your narcissist was a poet or whatever. And she wasn't a poet, but she liked poetry. And so like, there was one instance where I thought it was really cute because I, there was a poem that she really liked. And I thought that I would read it to her. I thought that I had a book of poems and I thought that it would be really fun to read it. And, and I got like a few words in and I was saying it wrong. Apparently I wasn't saying the poetry like I was supposed to be saying it, you know? And I already felt a little off at that point because I don't know, like I started feeling really insecure in that relationship and I couldn't figure out why. And then I decided to do something cute and out of style because I'm not a poet. I don't really do that stuff, but I thought it'd be cute. And she corrected me on the way I was saying it. I wasn't saying it right. She was like, you're not saying it right. And I just shut down. And I'm not the person to do that. I'm not a person that like gets mildly, like has some mild obstacles and then just shuts down and doesn't try. But I, in that relationship, I felt so defeated, you know, apparently like I can't do anything right. And I can't, and that sounds like I'm gaslighting. <laughs> can't do anything right. Um, but I didn't say anything. I just kind of sound stopped. like a straight boy when he's getting broken up with. I guess I just can't do anything right, can I? Yeah. I just suck. <laughs> oh but it made me feel like that. Yeah, it was nuts. Well, everything you're talking about are things that I think a lot of us experience. I know that I experienced it. My narc, narc is like short for narcissist, told me that her old supply, right, was just friends. And that the, that the old supply wanted more, but she didn't want that at all with her, right? Yeah. We literally had a conversation in her apartment one night about what we were and the words came out of her mouth that we were dating right not exclusively but that we were dating right yeah. which has it's a little bit more serious than you know we're talking which I don't like the word talking it just to me when yeah. people say we're talking it kind of sounds like we're in middle school and I don't yeah. I don't want to do that right yeah um but yeah we were dating come to find out and this is how abusive reactions happen and how they get people to think that it's you and not them that's the problem, right? Yeah. Come to find out after I opened my mouth and went and talked to other people, and this is months later, right? When I talked to other people, found out that she had told mutuals that we were just talking and we weren't dating. And that's why when I would react, because she'd put me in situations in public where, and I don't react publicly, I just get silent and angry and I don't talk and I just disconnect from everyone. I was in a situation like that with a group of mutuals when we traveled somewhere and she had painted this narrative behind my back to several people so that when I was in a situation where she pushed that button again, I fell right into her narrative. And then she could be like, then they were like, oh, I don't understand why you were reacting the way you were acting when you were just talking and it wasn't that serious. It made no sense. And then here I am sitting there like, are you serious? And then to go on to that point where yeah. you're talking about how they bring in other people in the new supply. Well, my new yeah. supply was a former resident of mine. I was an RA in college. It was a former resident of mine who I was a friend to. So they knew me, put me in these situations while using this person as their new supply. And we were, I was going to a class one night, right? And I was still in the discard phase because she had not discarded me yet entirely. She was still hoovering me in, yeah. right? And so I was going to class. And I'm walking up to the class and outside the library, she's having this romantic kissing on the cheek, hugging. It's not what friends do. We know what that looks like yeah. when people are saying goodbye or greeting, right? We're very yeah. aware of that. That's not what that was. So before the class, I asked her and took her aside and asked her, I was like, and I already had suspicions about this going on, right? And so I asked her, I was like, what just happened? 
with so-and-so outside the library her words verbatim were you don't know how I am with my other friends of course they say that right yeah and then she told this new supply the same things she had told me about her old supply right yeah. that we were just friends that there's nothing there that we yeah. da, 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 right yep so it's like it's it's this it's the same Crazy. thing and and while you were talking about it, right, you talk about the narrative and what they tell other people, the fact yeah. that these people have to lie to you and lie to everyone around you and them about who yeah. they are to get people to like them, just to like yes. them, yeah, right? And that we will, this is what I kind of like land on, that we will never have to do that. No. We will never have to lie to other people about who we are just to get them to like us. Yep. And that's their entire life so they'll go around from supply to supply they'll continue to triangulate because that's their pattern right that is literally what narcissists do it's a pattern and you it, it does not stop no matter what right and they'll keep doing that it's their mo it's, it's exactly what they do and that is literally how they keep and they don't tell yeah. you about the other ones that's how they keep no. you like hooked that's how they keep you no. attached to them and they're banking on that and they're also banking on your silence and that you don't talk to other people oh, yeah. because as soon as I started talking to other people and opening my mouth, especially mutuals, then they started being like, Oh my God. And then yeah. the narcissist started to have freak outs because they couldn't control the narrative or yep. control me anymore. Yep. So they had to spaz out and funny and it was not funny, but funny enough around that time when I started to piece things together is when, you know, they start to escalate, they go into like panics where they start to escalate their behavior and it starts to look different. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And like who I am speaks for itself. So I'm not like as concerned about that. But like part of me was like, I need to take control and like make sure that like, you know, this doesn't get out of fucking hand and stuff like that. One of the biggest warning signs when you like look up, like, am I dating a narcissist? Yeah. Is like, <laughs> you feel the need to like, keep receipts and have like recordings of your conversations so that when they do come at you and they try to create yeah. their own narrative because they always do the fact that like i i still have these receipts listen no listen. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot create this false narrative because i i have the receipts and i think that's like it, it's a huge warning sign when you feel like you need to do that you need to mm -hmm. have evidence that you're not crazy yeah. And that you're not just obsessed with this person. They won't yeah. leave you alone. Or like you weren't just friends. Like it, the fact that you feel the need to do it. And the fact that I, I went as far as I did to do all of that to secure my like life and yeah. not be labeled as somebody that's just like, oh, she's crazy. She's, you know, she's just obsessed with me. I don't know. It's jarring to look back on now, but like, I feel secure. Try to create a narrative about me. Come at me. Don't Come at me. Themselves. Don't <laughs> show themselves. They always show themselves. The thing you're talking about, you know, here's the thing. It's like what you're saying is you just, you have to just keep presenting as your authentic self yeah, because eventually they, they will show themselves to other people. And, and, you know, what we're talking about with keeping receipts, I no longer actually keep any receipts. I deleted everything from this person because this person, when I say that they show themselves, they show themselves big sometimes. Yeah. And so this was in a professional sense. And they got themselves into trouble in a professional sense because they were caught in several lies mm -hmm. after they had accused me, right? And so thank God that alleviated some of the isolation and the you're crazy and you're da-da-da-da-da. But they also found themselves in some murky situations with mutual friends. 
right? And then, of course, they know exactly what to say. And those friends are also in a narcissistic relationship with that person. It's platonic, but it's still a narc relationship, right? And so they're still in that hoovering phase where the narc can like, even though this is like logically what they did, they'll still pull them back into it, right? So the I completely understand keeping receipts and keeping all of these things. I think you stop, I don't know if this is in general or for, for a lot of other people, but I know for at least myself, I stopped keeping the receipts and got rid of everything because I finally realized that there are so many other people, specifically professionally, that see her for who she is. And that was all the relief I needed. Mm-hmm. And the fact that for both of you, you probably feel this way. It's like you show up the same. And it, well, I mean, it's nuanced, right? Depending on the type of relationship you're in, but you show up as the same person. Yeah. You are authentically yourself. That is not what is happening with them, right? And so eventually, they're going to show their cards. They're going to show their true colors. And while that is terrifying and why we keep receipts, right? Because they do come out and say, I never said that. I'm going to gaslight you until you are eternally miserable, right? Yeah, yeah. Completely understand why you keep that. But they always show out. Like, I know. I got all my friends taken away. And then a year later, all my friends came back. And they were like, Mm -hmm. we're really sorry. And I was like, it's like, it's fine we don't need to be like friends again, but like, there's no bad blood. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened to you just in a platonic way. Yep. It's such like a confirming feeling, even like if it's not another relationship, whether it's professional or friends, when somebody's like, I get it. Like I see what happened. It is so like validating. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. So it, it is, that is what was happening. I think it's the same as someone telling you finally, I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Just those words, those three words, I believe you is the most, you know, it's almost like you go from a 10 down to a two in a matter of like a 10th of a second. Seriously, for someone just to see you and understand, they don't need to know what you've been through. Right. And they never will. But the fact that they see you in that moment and they can acknowledge that is the most validating feeling and validating part of going through such a traumatic experience with someone. Yeah. I completely agree. And also, I think when you realize that that person isn't shit, like you realize that like they're not what you thought that they were and they played up all of these things. And like, that's how I felt. Like she didn't need to play it up. Like she never needed to to play anything up. I would have liked her for her. That's the hard part. Like I didn't care if she flipped fucking burgers for a living. You know what I mean? Like I liked her. I liked her for who she was. And it was like these little facades that didn't need to be there. Playing up your job, playing up like your importance, you know, like I wouldn't have given a shit. And then you get to the point where, and that's also long distance. I feel like played a part too, because like once I realized her environment and what she was working with, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, like she is someone who lives in a small little apartment in a city. And here's where she took all of her Instagram pictures that look so glamorous. But this is what I'm seeing in real life. And, you know, it was like grounding to see it. But like looking back, I was like, she just played up her life in a way that she never needed to because she thought she needed to, to like impress me. And I was you know, that's the shitty part for me. It's like, I didn't even need all of that. That's one of the big differences with like dating a narcissist is that like, you do feel these genuine feelings for them and they mm-hmm. can mirror it back to you. But like recently saw a video with a therapist talking about, it. she's like, you know, when 
when you're with a narcissist, it is like looking in a mirror. You are a real genuine person that is feeling all of these feelings. You're looking at something, yeah. you're seeing that reflected back, but that's not a, that, that's not reality. Yep. You know, it's presenting the same way, but behind the glass, there's nothing there. And that kind of really stuck with me. And I was like, that's a really good way of putting it. You know, the mirror's yeah. not looking back at you. You're just looking at the mirror. Well, that's oh. also what they do, right? It's like the other term for it is intermittent reinforcement. So if you're in another, another therapist on TikTok talked about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breadcrumb. You know, essentially, that's, that's, that's 100% what they do. And they, they, that's one of their top five and not five tactics. I, I swear it's one of them too. But yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about. That's the path they love to take. One of them. I was, I literally, what did I say, Elise? I was like in between like crying that night and I said something funny about that and I don't remember what I said, but. Were we making like an Oliver Twist joke? We're like, please sir, can I have some more? <laughs> like they find that they gave, a, they gave us like a second bowl of like no porridge. And we're like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, like you were so generous. I was like, I baked you a goddamn sourdough bread and you give me fucking crumbs. Yeah. <laughs> Let me eat the crumbs off the floor of the sourdough bread. I- Thank you so much for the crumbs, Saya. But yeah, I remember like, I've never like felt like I've had to like crave or not crave, but ask someone to tell me I'm pretty. You know, I like, I've never had a problem with that shit. I've never had a problem with that stuff. And I remember like, and I was also on my period too. And I just can kind of get that way a little bit, but this was on X Games mode. This was like, I literally looked at her and I was like, can you tell me I'm pretty? I've never done that in my whole life. I was like, tell me I'm pretty. Be nice to me. (laughs) Give me something. Like, I remember being like, I'm going to FaceTime her with my roommate's cat because she had had such fond memories from when she came to see me. And the cat was always around because my roommate was never around. So it was like, we were a little family. Like she said that like, oh, we're a little family, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh my God, like maybe she'll think that I'm cute because I'm FaceTiming her with the cat now. Because when I FaceTimed her before, she never said anything to me. And she used to say a million things to me. So maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wear the shirt that she had complimented me on so many times. Maybe I'll wear the color of the shirt that she complimented me on so many times. I mean, I fucking went nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah. But I feel like we've all felt those insane emotions. Like you were losing your shit. You're no, nothing's up here except chaos. But where are we now? Proud of us. Yeah, but it just, it takes a lot to get to that point. And, you know, you have conversations online or with anyone that kind of reaches out to you about that stuff. And the most heartbreaking thing is that this is so prevalent. Yeah, this is yeah. so prevalent, and it's not—it's not just within you know the LGBT community, within queer identified folk. It's—it's not—it's just—it's so prevalent. No matter what kind of relationship you're in, and the feedback that you get from people about the trauma and that feeling where you literally have your back up against the wall because you feel like you can't breathe because it just feels like your entire world is yeah. crumbling into shambles and you can't make sense of anything. You're losing your friends. You're isolated from family. People don't believe you. You feel like you're going crazy. And it's just like, yeah. to have these kind of interactions with people and to understand like, you know, we've been where they've been. Um, and to come, I actually had this conversation with a friend, another um, career creator who also was in a narcissistic relationship as well, is that 
and this isn't to be wishy-washy about it because it was a nightmare to get to this point, but I think those of us who have experienced this and gone through it, excuse my language, should be damn proud yeah. of who we have become and the fact that we came out of this so many times when we wanted to quit, the fact that we came out of it, yeah. that we can recognize this, that we can see it, and that we will know, hopefully, right, that we will never again be in a situation where a human being could ever treat us like that again. I think we have every right to be so damn proud of that. Enter ourselves in oh, that yeah. specifically, because it took everything, every ounce of our being to pull ourselves out of that. Yeah. And I think we should have a lot of pride. Yeah. I I think you're absolutely right like without question I know that is that is the lowest like mental state of my life and like I've had a lot of lows but (laughs) like to to feel like you are just drowning like you cannot get a grasp Mm -hmm. on anything and to pull yourself out of that after you have been isolated but it's all on you you pull yourself out of that Mm -hmm. nobody can tell you shit ever again no I just feel like we're kind of untouchable after you pull yourself out of something like that I think you're right we we should be damn proud I never understood like your um way of thinking Elise until like this happened to me and then now I understand it like now I get where you're coming mm-hmm. from oh because like, I was like this. I'm untouchable baby you yeah you're like I don't give a fuck I was like you can't touch me I'm yeah. indestructible <laughs> like maturity level like-, like crazy so you can do what you want but after that, I'll be fine. I'll be yeah. fine with anything. That's why you get to that place where you're like, I don't care who I was in the past. Try me today. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Try me yeah. today, bitch. Try, try, try me today you. and let's, let's see how this goes. Because yeah. I'm in a mood. Let's see. I got time. Well, thank you so much, guys, for both being on. Um, I'm so glad to be able to make an episode like this. Um, it wasn't an episode. I was nervous to make this episode. And I'm really happy that we did it. I feel like this could really be a good thing for the community at large and I'm excited to release it and to give people to make sure that they're not they don't feel like they're not alone and I feel that way too you know I had this episode so that I would be able to not feel that way as well um you know so I want to make sure I extend that to everyone so thank you guys so much for being on if you guys are listening please subscribe and be you be queer stay safe we will see you on the next episode (laughs) 